Man, I love those kids. They are so adorable. <laughs> Little princess dress with light up sneakers. Yeah, you're gonna beat that, right? That's awesome. So fun. <laughs> if you have a Bible with you, would you please open up to Matthew chapter 12? So I thought my series on the powerless place was completed, but um, I've got one more to add today. Uh, before I get to that, I want to thank Tom Schultz. Thank you for filling in last week. Um, you did a great job. Thank you for sharing your testimony and, and your story. I know I've said it before, but you know it's not an easy thing for a, for a pastor to give up his pulpit. Tom, you make that very easy for me. You know, I feel very comfortable. You're a good man. Thank you, sir. And so, like I said, I, I thought this series on the palace place was completed last time, and because of what's going on the last couple of weeks, I've got, I got one more to share. In the last eight messages, we looked at some powerful verses from Scripture, just to mention two or three of them. For example, the words God spoke to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That's comforting verse. Or Jesus' words in Matthew 11. Just amazing. That this is what the God of the universe, the Word made flesh, this is what God says. When He's on earth, He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I love that God describes himself as gentle and humble in heart. Isn't that awesome? For you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How did they miss that in the Middle Ages? I want to know. <laughs> How did that happen? How did we miss it today? Well, the words of Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. I know I mentioned it before, but I can't help mentioning it again, you know. Man, I always had the wrong idea about the rod and the staff. As if you were to use them against the sheep. What comfort is that? <laughs> I'd always heard it preached that way. Rod and the staff weren't for the sheep. The rod and the staff are for the wolves, for the thieves, right? For the bears, for the lions. That's what the rod and the staff are for. I'm comforted because the good shepherd is able and powerful to protect me from anything. That's a comfort, especially if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death and there's evil all about, right? Doesn't that make more sense? How come I never saw that before? So this morning, I'm not really going to teach you. I just want to share from my heart. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 to 21 to kind of open things up. So, so here's the context. Jesus had just healed a man's shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And as a result, the Pharisees are plotting to kill him. I don't know. A plus B doesn't equal C for me. But he heals a man's shriveled hand. And what do the religious professionals of the day want to do? We've got to kill this guy, you know. Lord have mercy. 
Verse 15. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Shocking, right? It's shocking. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him. Again, shocking, right? He heals a man. Right? If I'm there and I watch this shriveled hand get healed, guess what? I'm going to go wherever Jesus is going. I'm thinking to myself, man, I want some of that. And those who followed him was a pretty good deal. Because it goes on to tell us a large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill. Following him that day was a really good idea. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through the victory in his name the nations will put their hope who powerful words in verses 15 to 21 Matthew's gospel here they're quoting the prophet Isaiah from chapter 42 so here we have the father through the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in a prophet communicating to us just who God the Son is here we have the father through the spirit describing the son this is how the passion translation describes the son from these words Isaiah 42 he will decree justice to the nations he will not quarrel or be found yelling in public he won't brush aside the bruised and the broken he will be gentle with the weak and feeble until his victory releases justice and the fame of his name will birth hope among the people what a powerful description of Jesus. That's our Jesus. So I got to tell you, this morning, <clears throat> I'm in the powerless place. I'm a bruised reed. I'm a smoldering wick today. I'm among the bruised and broken, the weak and the feeble. You see, my brother died. Rick was only 54. On Monday, September 4th, I got a call from my other brother, Robert. I'm the oldest, and then Robert, and then Rick, and I got a sister. I mean, she's in her 40s now, but she'll always be my baby sister. She's 10 years younger than me, Laurie. I got a call from my brother, Robert, and, and it was odd. He called on my cell phone, and they don't, that family calls me usually on the, on the landline. They, called the cell phone, it was early in the morning, and none of those things fit the norm, and I saw it was him, I was like, i got to take this. And as soon as I heard his voice, I thought, wow, man, something's wrong. Something's, like, really wrong. And my dad's been sick for a while, and so I was like, Rob, is it dad? And he said, no, it's not dad. <clears throat> he said, Rick died. <clears throat> it was like getting hit by a two-by-four. I was like, what? What do you mean Rick died? 
is so incredibly <clears throat> unexpected. My brother Rick had been visiting friends out of state for the holiday weekend. And so when you die like that and it's not at home, it complicates things, right? And so the police needed an autopsy before they could let his body be released back to New York. And so the next 36 hours, we just waited for answers because nothing seemed to make sense. Eventually, days later, we'd, we'd get the report that, um, that Rick died from an, aor an aortic aneurysm. And he died instantly. Now, my family, we do have a history of heart disease. <clears throat> but Rick was far and away the healthiest of the kids. I mean, if you saw a picture of me, the three boys, especially me and Robert and Rick, Robert has the same kind of basic round build that I have, right? We're, we're both kind of hefty guys. Rick's the lean one. He's the one who exercised all the time. And, you know, he'd go on diets. And he looked great. He looked awesome. I mean, even like two months ago, we had, he had a, a cardiac exam and like at work. He worked for the city of New York, the Mass Transit. And they do these wellness programs, and they come and they do health checks on the employees, and he just passed for flying colors. He was in great shape. And so all that just adds to the shock and the, and the disbelief. Rick leaves behind a wife. They've got to be married, what, 35 years? We're 36, are they a couple years, 34 years? And he's got two handicapped adult children. His wife really needs our prayers. I spoke with her yesterday, and she's, she's hurting bad. She's grieving. So many questions. So few answers. So I was raised in an Italian, Catholic, New York family. And um, uncle on my father's side, my father's only brother, is a Catholic priest. And so forever, I mean, ever since we were little kids, Uncle Bob handled all the religious family events. If there were baptisms or confirmations or weddings or funerals, Uncle Bob got called and wherever he was stationed, wherever they had him, Uncle Bob flew in and and he'd take care of all that. Last February, Nadine and I went down because one of my other uncles had passed away. And uh, we went there fully expecting Uncle Bob would show up and do the Uncle Bob things and handle the funeral. And for I'm not sure what the reasons were, but he couldn't make the trip. And um, so for the first time in the family type stuff, I was asked to step in and, and fill the minister role. And I'm okay doing that. It was just kind of weird to do it for family, you know. And it seemed to go okay. But it was a new role for me. And it's kind of new for my family as well. And so with my brother dying, I mean, I had no expectation, no desire to say or do anything. But, um, but they wanted me to. Uncle Bob's awesome. He's a little bit older. I mean, he's, he's 73. And, and he's got... He's got his patterns and he's got his traditions on, on how he does things. And it's all well and good. It, it works for him and for lots of Catholics. It works just fine for them. It comforts them, the, you know, the expected. 
I, you know, <laughs> I do things a little differently. And so much to my surprise, I was invited to play a role in my brother's funeral. And so Uncle Bob and I shared some of the responsibility. And so some of the things I'm going to share with you now are the things I shared with my family. So I, I read to them those verses that I share with you this morning, that a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is how God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, describes the Son. And I told my family, I like this Jesus. I like this Jesus. The one who doesn't snuff out smoldering wicks. I need, I need that Jesus, especially at times like this, especially in a powerless place. This Jesus is so very different from the one I was raised to believe in. The one I was raised to believe in expected perfection and punished harshly any infraction and rejected the weak and the broken. And thankfully, as I've gotten older, I've learned all oh, that's a lie. That's not our Jesus. Hey, in the natural, what would we do with bent grass or burnt out wick? Right? One goes with compost and the other goes with one of the other buckets I still haven't figured out here on the island. <laughs> what do I do with the burnt out wick? I leave it on the counter and Nadine puts it in the right bin. <laughs> Five years later, I still haven't figured it out. We throw them away. We throw that stuff away and we replace them, right? Not so with our God. He doesn't throw us away. When we're burnt out, he doesn't throw us away when we're broken. My family needed that Jesus this past, this past week. I need that Jesus now. I shared with my family the words of Jesus from Matthew 11. We, we already looked at them, but it was so apropos. Where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That was a weary and burdened bunch. All of us were blindsided. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have to tell you, I am overwhelmingly weary and burdened with grief. And I need this promised rest. I told my family, I like this Jesus. The one who describes himself as gentle and humble in heart because I don't think I could bear anything else now. I need gentle Jesus. I need Jesus comes to me humbly who allows me to approach him. In this powerless place, I can't bear anything other than a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. And get this. This, these verses, is Jesus describing himself. This is God in the flesh describing himself to humanity. How did I miss this? How did I ever miss this? 
I'm so grateful that this is the way Jesus describes himself. It's an enormous comfort to me right now, especially in a powerless place. I shared with my family the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Couldn't be many more appropriate in the Beatitudes where he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know what? Every translation I looked up, I must have looked at 20 different translations. They all use the word comforted. And comfort here is a verb, and it means to come alongside, to console, to encourage, to strengthen by consolation. And yes, to comfort. Jesus promises to comfort those in the powerless place. I like this Jesus. I like this Jesus too. I need, guys, I need this Jesus to console and encourage and strengthen and comfort me. In a powerless place I never thought I'd be in. You know, you expect your parents to die. You know, and of the brothers, I'm the one who's had cancer twice, you know? I, I didn't think about it beforehand. But the full expectation is I'd go first. I'd never have to see one of my siblings pass. So unexpected. My family needs this Jesus right now. Jesus uses the noun form of this very same Greek word for comfort in John 14, 16 when he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Further down in verse 26, it says, And the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name, and he'll teach you all things, and remind you all things that I said to you. So get this, God himself comes. Jesus promised it. He said that the Father, if Jesus says the Father's going to do something, if Jesus says the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit, guys, we can take to the bank that the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to send them as the comforter. And get this, God himself comes and he lives inside each and every one of us. He's not out there He's not up there that we have to somehow climb to reach and attain to. We don't have to fight through you know, an army to finally reach the king. He comes and lives inside of our hearts. Not as the harsh judge and taskmaster. Not as the divine cosmic perfectionist. But as a comforter. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, not a junior God, not a slice of God, not some you know minuscule percentage of God, but the Holy Spirit, fully, one hundred percent, perfectly God, the whole deal comes and lives inside of each of us. He dwells in us. 
and he does it, that's a comfort. Man, that's good news. That's such good news at a time like this. It's good news when grief comes unexpectedly. Since we got back, it's, it's been these unexpected waves of grief. We're doing fine. Everything's all right. Then you hear a stupid song on the radio. Wham. I mean, like a tsunami. Just wipe me out. I prepare my sermons on Thursday, so I sat down on Thursday, like, what am I going to speak about? And I realized, yeah, I got one more. I have to be honest, right? A real one more. I couldn't get up here and have some rah-rah. Only believe, brother, kind of. I just couldn't do it. It's just not in me. So when those crushing emotional tsunamis hit, the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe, he comforts us. God is so much better than I had been led to believe. Ours is the God who will never leave us or forsake us. He doesn't step out or step away from us when times get tough or things get dark. He is the light in our darkness. This is what David wrote about our God in Psalm 34, 18. And I shared this with my family as well. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The lie of the enemy is that either God caused us to be broken and crushed or that he abandons us when we are. And both are outright lies. The truth is just the opposite. The truth, and it's in the book, man. Have this one highlighted or underlined. Memorize this word, this verse. The truth is that he's close to us in our pain. And he rescues us when we are utterly crushed. I need that Jesus. I like that Jesus, and I need that Jesus right now. As kids, Rick and I, we fought as brothers do. I mean, three of us shared one room, you know. <laughs> I remember once my father was passing by our bedroom. He says, man, smell of gym socks coming out of that room. My knees buckle, you know. I got three boys sharing one room. We would fight. Man, we would fight. We, we, would, we would do this like, you know, there was ultimate fighting today. We would have the ultimate pillow fight. But this was like this was like a serious pillow fight. So we had the, we were poor, so we had these crappy pillows, right? And so what we would do is we would we scrunch up the pillow and put it all the way down in the pillowcase. So now we have a weighted weapon, <laughs> and we turn the lights off in the room, and we start swinging. And I gotta tell you what, you get hit in the head with one of those, and you are woozy. And you know, being the brothers that we are, as soon as one got woozy. The other two just pummeled him. We would just, and you, you laid there on the ground taking the hits until your brain comes back, you know? Rick and I fought as brothers do. But as adults, we had a great relationship. We had a really good relationship. 
I mean, any time Nadine and I would go down to New York for a visit, Rick would make as much time as possible to see us. Usually we go down and the family all gathers at least one of the days at my father's house because, you know, they, they want to see us. And that's great. But Rick would stop by after work like every day if he could just so we get to spend some time together. And our phone conversations were always good. We'd talk about our families. We'd talk about work. We'd talk a lot about sports. We're both, you know, huge sports fans of New York teams. We're both Met fans, so we know suffering. And I'm a Giants fan. Somehow he was led astray at an early age and became a Jets fan. But we would talk about sports. This life stuff. I loved my brother. I loved Rick. I still do. And I have absolutely no doubt that he loved me. I'm convinced that he loved me. I only have one regret. <laughs> I wish we talked more. The conversations are always good. I just never thought there would be, I never thought the time would be cut short. I always thought there would be much more time, a whole lot more time. So we got to, we got to the habit that when Nadine and I would go down and visit, we would take a picture of, the, of my parents' four kids, me and Robert and Rick and Lori all standing together. You probably, if you follow me on Facebook, you've probably seen that picture. Just hammered me, man, on a trip and just feeling that, we're not going to be able to take that picture again. We can't take that picture again, the four of us anymore. I don't know if I wanted to share this, but Thursday was a hard day. I, like I said, I prepared the message, and so just putting all this together is pulling on my heartstrings. I got most of it done. I usually finish up on Friday, but I got most of it done on Thursday, and then I had some errands to do, a little bit of running around. So I'm coming back to the house on the bypass and told my house, and I'm just praying. I'm like, Jesus, I, I, you got to help me. Just hammered with grief. Jesus, I need you to help me. Just help me. And... Um, for like, it, it probably lasted like two seconds. I see this. I see this vision. God speaks to me in visions. How kind that He would do it now. I see this vision in front of me, and there's Jesus with His arm around my brother Rick, and Rick is glowing with light, and he's got this smile on his face. The, the smile I know from every time, like when he's like super happy, like his his team wins, right? <laughs> he's got this great smile on his face. He's glowing with light. Jesus has got his arm around him. And Rick is waving at me like this. It lasted about two seconds. I cried my eyes out in the car. I came home and told Nadine I cried again. See, we have a God who comforts. Do you know how comforting? That was to me. That was for me. That was for my God for me. Because that's what I needed. So let me leave you with two encouragements today. Number one is don't wait. Call that person that you love but you haven't spoken to in a long time. Not that there's an issue or a division. You're busy and they're busy. Do it today. Go home and call them. 
There's no time like the present. You've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. It'll be awesome if you guys get to speak. If they live close enough, then spend time together. Invest time into that person. Share a meal. Watch a football game. Watch a hockey game. <laughs> Have fun together. Make new memories. Make lasting memories. Don't wait. Just, just don't wait. I heard John Wimmers once say that, say that love was spelled T-I-M-E. Go love on them with your time. You won't regret it. And the second encouragement is this. Guys, Jesus really does love you. He really does. Even in the midst of ridiculously painful circumstances, He loves you. He is so good. And He is so kind. And He's so loving. When you feel powerless, when you feel lost and broken and defeated, when it feels like you've messed up beyond redemption, He's near. He's not far. He's right there with you. He's, guys, He's inside of you. He'll never abandon you. He will never, ever forsake you, no matter what. He's here just for times like this. I love this quote by Philip Yancey. Love this quote. He says, I've come to know a God who has a soft spot for rebels, who recruits people like the adulterer David, the whiner Jeremiah, the traitor Peter, and the human rights abuser Saul Atossus. I've come to know a God whose son made the prodigals, the heroes of his stories, and the trophies of his ministry. I've come to know that very same God. And he seems to have a soft spot for me as well. So let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. And we ask that you would do what you said you'd do. Holy Spirit, come and be the comforter. Be the comforter for my friends here today, whatever is going on in their lives. Be the comforter. Send the comforter in our powerlessness. Lord, comfort us who mourn, especially the Zawaki family. Send comfort to everyone. Lord, especially my sister-in-law Donna, send comfort. Be near to us in our broken hearts. Rescue those of us who are crushed in spirit. Lord, there are some things, there are some things that only you can do. And we invite you to come and do those very things. Do it, Lord. So I'm going to play a final song. <clears throat> but if you're in a powerless place today, if you need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, if you feel today like you're numbered among the broken and the bruised, the weak and the feeble, God's here for you. Please come up for prayer during the final song. If you need anything at all, please come up and somebody will pray for you. Whew.